Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight we are in episode 251, and we thought we'd chat a little bit about camp lighting. So my thoughts on this one, Ben, for what it's worth, is when you go out there, regardless if it's camping, bushcrafting, you know, whatever your thing happens to be, uh, glamping, you know, Hollywood camping, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter. You need some way of lighting stuff up. And we have done past things on like uh, flashlights, headlamps, stuff like that. But I mean, we always use those as individual items. Now, there's some things, at least in my mind, that I kind of take with me as extras outside of that stuff, depending on the situation, of course, just for lighting up around the campsite. Now, that could still include a flashlight and headlamp and stuff, but there's other things uh, that are out there that work really well, uh, depending on the... you instance i guess um and i'd like to go over some of those things maybe talk about some of the things that we own uh and give our opinions on stuff maybe some tips and tricks and stuff like that in there too because i know there's a couple things that you can do with items that may not be their intended purpose and you'll get a new item out of it you know what i mean and i'll talk about that later i don't want to get too much into it and maybe stuff people already know but anyway i thought it'd be fun to talk about for a quick topic here tonight so what's your thoughts ben yeah no i mean it's Camp lighting is is really an essential part of the trip. Unless you're planning on going to sleep as soon as it gets dark and only waking up after it gets bright, and even then, hopefully you don't need to go in the middle of the night, you're going to need some kind of lighting to get through the night. And, uh, you know, maybe you're a little bit later getting to the site. Uh, we, we went out the weekend, and actually by the time we got finished setting up, it was dark, and we were using, like, headlights and flashlights and other means to light the site up until we got set up so it's it's an essential thing to think about like when you go you have to have a plan for lighting um and 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 the options are many and varied um so you need to sort of take some time to think about what options to work for you what don't doesn't work for you um and we can get down to hands-free not hands-free uh, attached to your body, not attached to your body, all this stuff matters. Yeah. So the way I was going to break this down and see if this makes sense to you, Ben, is I was just going to go by, like, type to some degree. Uh, so, like, I guess I'll spill out what I want to talk about and let's see how this functionally comes out. Uh, as you folks know out there, we don't always plan our episodes. We try to make these work a little fluid. But uh, things I want to talk about is, like, lanterns but not just lanterns i want to talk about fuel lanterns and battery lanterns and the different types of fuel and the advantages so why don't we start there because lanterns when people think campsite lighting usually a lantern or a lamp comes to mind you know what i mean it, it seems to be a staple i got one for my camp um i have a couple of them sitting out here in my sunroom for where i go out and i do my bushcrafting things and things like that and I, i'm real partial to lamps and i'm real partial to fuel lamps uh, and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, why don't you just get battery ones and things like that? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I really like my, uh, like, AFG, my Coleman. I have a couple different styles of lamps out there, and they all burn or run off naphtha. And I really like them because there's something super nostalgic about it. But I also have a straight-up old-fashioned oil lamp. Like, not the a hurricane lamp like you'd sit in your table, like an actual, like, old-style oil lantern. Uh, and it's actually in the living room. I should get it. It's awesome. Like, I love that thing. And there's something so nostalgic and something so warm about them. It is my favorite go-to kind of style of lighting. Yeah. We have one that goes in a metal box. Yes. It is, 
and it, there's a door you can open up and you can it's got reflectors on it it's it, uh i don't know probably it's at the cabin i don't know where it might be uh but yeah oil lamp with a wick you light the wick you turn it up if you want it brighter turn it down turn it up too much it's it's uh you know it's a staple and honestly you chat you for a second get... i'm gonna go grab mine because i know exactly where it's at give me two seconds so you can get hours of light out of one of these things with very minimal effort uh it doesn't require a lot of refilling uh it requires a minimum of maintenance uh and it provides a, a very good light glow of 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 light it's it's not they're not super bright they're not going to light up miles and miles of space but they're they're pretty good um i'm sure he's coming back with it in a second um there you are yeah okay mine is smaller and it fits in a box but same idea and it's meant to stay in the box when it lit now the only real disadvantage i have with one of those is because it is a liquid fuel if it gets tipped they tend to leak yes 100 percent. and this is one of the main disadvantages to these style lamps is where it is liquid fuel they're prone to not just leaking uh but that is one of the biggest concerns if the wick falls in you have problems or if oil gets all over them sometimes they can um they can themselves kind of combust so you, you, you do have to be careful with that overall. Like you have to be careful. It is a, a, a thing. It's it's also somewhat fragile. Like you can break the glass. I mean, there, there, you can see that when there has a bit of steel wrapped around it to kind of protect the likelihood of the glass getting hit and the sides are there. But, you know, you just can't throw it in your backpack and checking to see if it's still glass. Yeah, I was like, just as you said, yeah, you can crack the glass. I look down, I'm like, I think I see a crack in mine. <laughs> but it's actually still good. We're okay. We're okay. It was yeah. just dust. Crisis averted. Air lays on it the wrong way. You think it's gone. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, they, they are very good. And they're, they're good for more um, permanent and semi-permanent campsites. I wouldn't use it for – it's not an ultralight device. It's not a low-bulk device. Uh, it's really good in cabins and camps. In and my this opinion. is where I use a lot of mine, to be perfectly honest. I don't take this, for instance, out into the woods. Uh, it's probably not going to end well. And this is another thing that these, they happen to be real finicky with the lift and lowering mechanisms. As you can see, that one just popped out. Uh, so they do have quite a few downfalls. But yeah, they, they're they definitely not good for like strolling along in the woods. Though you could use that. I have done it. Um, just, uh, literally walking from campsite to campsite, just picked it up and kind of, you know, off I went yeah. with it. But I, I don't know if I would use it as a long-term solution for out in the woods, just because of the liquid fuel and the problems that would cause and the glass globe. And th there is a lot of drawbacks to them. Uh, but don't let that discourage you. If you're into these things, like Ben said, they're great for camps, cabins, power outages, things like that. And this is where mine shine. And this is where I get a lot of use out of mine, to be perfectly honest. And so one note with those, or something I have seen done, is take a bit of tin foil and you can put on one side. And it kind of reflects a bit more light in the direction you want and allows you to kind of get behind it so it's not blinding you as, as the carrier of it. So if you can sort of focus the light, it helps. They're also not even cranked to their fullest, or rarely what I would call super bright. 
there's they are do have a relatively low upper limit for brightness compared to say the compressed you know the the coleman napa ones that you can really pump or to many modern flashlights you're not getting the same level and you're definitely not getting the same throw no not at all and the light quality is dirtier if that makes any kind of sense it it's it's a yellow light, of course, versus a flashlight, which is going to be a more bluish or whiter light, whatever you want to call it. But it, it's also like, because it has a flickering flame inside, it's not a constant light either. So I love it for just having like general lighting if you're sitting around talking to your buddies at a camp or something like that. But it's really not the best tool at all if you're trying to read something. I do find that it's a little hard on my eyes and stuff like that if I'm trying to read anything for long periods. Though you can do it, and a lot of people say they like it. Don't get me wrong. But I do find that is another kind of drawback to those fuel lanterns. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I, I, I would feel that we've kind of covered that that particular lamp. Do you want... Do you want to talk? <laughs> Uh, just checking the comments here. A couple did creep up. I didn't have them open for one reason or another, so I missed a couple, so I'm going to catch up on them now. So we've got a few people joining us here tonight. We have Nomad, Day, um, we have Nomad, Real Big Monkey One, Red Bear Tactical, and Red Sand Adventures. Uh, dogs, out you go. <laughs> we had a new puppy and it's in here. Um, so, Dave, Real Big Monkey One, saying, I go with the rule of threes. A flashlight, a headlamp, and a candle. Uh, Red Bear Tactical loves his Coleman Lanterns. Uh, but they're so big that they take up so much room. No good for backpacking, which is what we just talked about there. He keeps a small uh, Primus Icy Butane Lantern in his pack for backpacking. Uh, you can get, you can use the Detzoil lamps for cooking. Uh, they sell a pot holder to go on top of these. Apparently the dollar store, that, oh I know the ones he's talking about. The dollar store they used to sell the knockoff Hurricane Lanterns. Uh, and they were kind of small. And he said he bought 10 of them. I bought like four or five of them. Now they've all been used up and broken over time. But I know exactly the ones he used to talk about. Same as they used to sell lamp oil. And I haven't seen that here at the local dollar store for ages. Uh, I, like a sucker, I've had to go to Canadian Tire and buy mine at full cost. But <laughs> yeah, the dollar store is a great place to keep an eye out for some of this stuff. I've even seen the little, little style lanterns like this at the dollar store with wicks in them. But I would question how usable they are. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about now, but 20 years ago when we bought them, I remember we were still living in Dartmouth. So that's how, that's a long time ago. It's more than 20 years ago. Um, we had a power outage, and the two of me and my wife, she was a girlfriend at the time, we, we were staying in the one room, and we had a couple of those lit. Uh, just for light and when we went out into the main part of the house it was significantly colder than where we had those two little lanterns lit they actually did pretty good i remember the ones you're talking about small uh confined and honestly a trick that we used to use with that one if you, we didn't have enough oil if you throw a couple of marbles in there it keeps the oil level a little higher and you can run them <laughs> i never thought about that honestly that's a great but that's a great trick you know what i mean if you're out in the woods and you're running low on oil or if you're at your camp or something like that even a couple nice clean stones would get the oil level up yeah so i mean i i gotta say i mean that liquid fuel really does last a long time that, that i don't know how often you have to fill those up but you could probably run those for days oh i was gonna say the oil in my two hurricane lamps out there i'm pretty sure i've had since we moved in 
which has been eight years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it lasts a long, long time. So it's a pretty solid thing. I think the closest thing to that that we, we take fairly regularly, and you asked me about this, is the is the candle lantern. Uh, it it's a solid fuel, so it's it's wax lasts a fairly long time. Like I think you can get nine hours out of one of the of the more high end um, candles, mm -hmm. um, and it's similar. It's not super bright. It's not really adjustable for light, but. Man, you can't knock it. No, like I love them. The only downside to those UCOs, and we we rave about our UCO little lamps here all the time. There is a downside. The downside to them is if the wax gets on the globe, or if it gets shaken, it can create quite a mess. And they're a little tricky to clean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so the way I clean mine is just heat up some water, just to, like, not a hard boil, but just to about boiling. Uh, with the parts in it, not the plastic parts, uh, and that'll lift most of the wax off. Or once all the wax lifts off, however hot that happens to be, I don't turn the burner on that high. Uh, and once all the wax comes to the top, you can kind of dump that off, pull your parts out, and then you can wipe them down with a clean rag, and that gets it fairly clean. Or that's as clean as I go, anyway. I don't mind a little coating of, uh, wax on them. I, I, I just don't want it, like, caked on. The globe, I tend to keep real, real clean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so something you had said was like the, uh, the Coleman naphtha lanterns, which I guess is the next level into this. That's a pressurized liquid fuel. Uh, unlike these ones where it's just kind of like literally a wick and some oil, uh, those tend to give, or the pressurized lanterns, they tend to actually give off a significant more amount of light as well as yeah. heat. I, I, the way I think about those is, yeah, they do give out light, and they do definitely give out heat, but they're much more like a light bulb. Like you can get them fairly bright. It's 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 it is an artificial, or it's it's, it's like a a non electricity light bulb. Like you have a lot of control, a lot of brightness. I don't know what the luminals out of it are, but the downside, if there is a few, uh, the globes are generally glass. Now I've seen them replaced with screen, uh, metal screen works very well actually. Uh, the mantles are also weak, so you can oftentimes damage your mantle. And without proper care and maintenance, the the fuel system can clog up or fail. And you do need they do need significantly more maintenance than the hurricane lantern or the candle lantern, which really requires a cleaning once in a while and a new new fuel. But other than that, there's no work to those. So and that's the problem with my Coleman's ones right now. I have one, two, three, four, five. I got five of them and only two work. The other three all need generators. Problem is they're also old lanterns. I can't find generators for them anywhere. So uh, talk to Red Bear Tactical. I'm sure he'll hook you up. <laughs> Red Bear, uh, you and I, buddy, we got to have some conversations. I got three of these things sitting out in my garage that I've been trying to get going for two years. It just hasn't worked. I, I have a couple of older ones somewhere. Um, and there, there, I used to find, there's a guy online, a Coleman guy. He, he, he has a lot of new old stuff. Um, uh, I, there was some guy here in Nova Scotia that had like 50 lanterns and was looking for parts and wheeling and dealing parts. I sent him all my stuff and he was like, yeah, man, I don't got parts for any of that stuff. <laughs> so, so, uh, that is something, I mean, those, some of those Colton lanterns are showing up 
50, probably 70 years old and still, you know, in fairly good shape. So they are a solid product. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but my only statement is that they do take some actual maintenance. And it's why you can oftentimes pick these up for next to nothing on Facebook um, or Kijiji or any of these uh, used places because a lot of people don't know how to use them. And you can't even give them away. Like most uh, most uh, thrift stores won't even accept them because they've held fuel. Oh, yeah. Because the fuel, once again, you're back to the fuel. Like, you are still using a liquid fuel in these. They do kind of have uh, that leaking tendency and whatnot. And like we said, they're, they're high maintenance, but they work really good if you can teach yourself how to do the maintenance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have seen people pumping them up incorrectly, lighting them so bad. Like, I have seen flames coming out of the top of these for, like, six, seven inches or more. I've seen people get burned by these things, lose eyelashes. I've seen them, like, light with a bang that's been shocking. Uh, so there's a learning curve to them. Uh, but yes, um, again, pretty efficient on fuel. We always used them at a ca- our cabin before. I mean, we never had power at our old cabin. And so that's what we used. And I still own that lantern. It's my father's from in the 80s. And it, I still use it fairly regularly. And I love it. Um, that being said, it isn't the solution for everyone. Um, so, you know. I kind of feel the more I t- kind of encourage people not to use it, the more people are going to say, oh, no, I, but I'm capable, and they'll go do it. So, <laughs> And they are a lot of fun. They're a lot of – it's one of those things, as long as you take your time and you're careful and you do your research, they are a lot of fun. They can also be very dangerous, you know what I mean? But such is with a lot of tools involved in bushcrafting, you know what I mean? A knife can be incredibly dangerous, too. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely a learning curve to them, like you said. And I do suggest if anybody wants to get out on these and they've had no experience with them, do a little bit of YouTubing, Googling, do a little bit of research. Don't just pick one up and go to town on it. Even uh, brand new with a manual, there's still a little bit of a learning curve to them. And I think, I mean, you mentioned it at the beginning, but it, it definitely helps to be, be brought up again. I think I got one. We got one at the camper. Uh, the electric... The battery-powered one. Yep. Can't, we can't forget them because I think the one I have might actually have its own re- rechargeable battery, but the ability to take, like, D-cells or something, and you mm-hmm. can charge your phone off of it. Um, it provides a ton of light. It's very adjustable. You can turn it up, down. Sometimes there's different light modes. It'll flash. It can do some different things. Uh, and it may – some of them are even common. I don't know all of them. Some of them even have solar power. I was going to say, I have one, uh, you pull it up and the lights turn on. It takes four AA batteries as well as it has a solar panel on the top. And I mean, that thing is wicked. And so, honestly, like the the clear globes on those things are generally like a a high-impact plastic. So it might break, but it's not going to be the same as glass if it does break. Um, so from a safety point of view, from an ease of use point of view, um, I think they're very good. What I am going to say is they probably will never have the longevity of the lantern, of the fuel lantern. Um, something's going to wear out in them. The LEDs will give out. The batteries need recharging. Batteries can go bad. You need to remember to to take the batteries out if you're going to be left for an extremely long time. There's, there's things to be thought about with those lanterns that being said uh 
it is definitely an option. And, for, and dollar for dollar, they're probably oftentimes around the same prices as the fuel ones. Yeah. No, 100%. Well, I mean, the the battery-powered ones, a lot of times you can pick up at the dollar store. I think I've seen them there before. I mean, just, you can get them. Get, you can definitely get the little tiny ones that, for four and five bucks at dollar store, no doubt. I've seen ones that look identical at Cabela's and other places for a couple more bucks. And you can get ones that are even bigger. We're down a bit, eh? Try to adjusting it out better yeah so um yeah just you can get the bigger ones too so whatever you want you can pretty well get um i was just going to see if i can find it coleman makes a, a battery powered lantern i have seen those ones canadian tire um and they look like they'd be really good and, and one of the big benefits of the battery powered ones and we might as well move on to those as well is um you can use those in the woods very effectively because they don't generate the heat and you don't have the fuel problems and stuff like that. The only problem with those sometimes is in extreme cold weather, your batteries drain fast, and then you got to kind of keep replacement batteries on hand. Um, so depending on what kind of batteries they take, like I've seen some of the bigger ones take like six C cells. That's a lot yeah. of extra weight to carry around, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you can just turf that in your backpack you don't really got to worry about banging it around too too much as you said it's usually like impact resistant plastics and things like that it's a lot tougher than any of the other ones with the glass parts um and they're kid friendly which is a major thing you know what i mean if you're going to have your kids with you and you're going to be camping bushcrafting doing whatever it's always nice to be able to bring something along that they can use uh, that way they feel included. It gives them something to do. They can be in charge of the lighting, whatever the case may be. It's a nice item for kids. So, I, I mean, and, and lanterns really are the, the thing that you can carry around, but for the most part, you can hang from a tree. You can hang from the top of a tent. You can hang off of a, a ridge line of some form and provide that light and it can provide hours of light. So, those are definitely a good option. And something I think is somewhat similar, um, I have been carrying around the, the sort of flat, I'm trying to let me see if I have a set here. I don't see a quick set I can grab, but just the flat blocks of LEDs that have like a stand on them. You can mm-hmm. stick them anywhere. Great for working on your car and all that. They're pretty compact, unlike lanterns. Oh, I know the um, ones you're talking about. I I think all mine are out in the living room, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I uh, even have ones that, that have Bluetooth capabilities so you can run a little bit of sound through them so you can play music on them. But I, I think everyone knows the ones I'm talking about. You can go to any hardware store and buy them. Uh, Costco is where I've tended to get them. Um, and they're good because oftentimes they have magnets on the back. They have a hook that you can hook over something. And so if you're setting up a tent, you can put them in, put them down. You don't have to worry about kicking them by accident. They're usually a bit more rugged. Uh, so for me, you know, why do you need light? And for a big part of it for me is oftentimes setting up and making my meal. So meal prep and setting up camp, you do need something. And ideally, it's not in your way when you're working, right? So you yeah. need to be able to adjust to put light where you need it. And uh, those are much more directional. Um, and, and more compact than a lantern. Like in every instance we talked about the lanterns, except maybe the ones that pop down into themselves, um, they're not super compact, 
even the, the these are fairly compact, I guess, but they're not directional. A lantern puts light out equally in all directions for the most part. Um, directional light is oftentimes a really good thing. You don't need to push a lot of light into the woods. You need to put it where you're going. So, uh, so just a couple comments here before they get away from us. Uh, Dave, they're real big monkey one saying a roll of toilet paper soaked in rubbing alcohol set inside a steel coffee can can put off a cool blue light for up to four hours. So we used to call these buddy burners. Uh, yes. We didn't use coffee cans. We used old tobacco cans. Uh, we're talking like the 90s, you know what I mean? When <laughs> tobacco cans were way more readily available. But yeah, we used to use them in ice fishing shacks. Uh, you would put the, you would get it going, you would throw it in the corner, and it would give just enough heat that, you know, it broke the chill. You could probably sit around in your, uh, your snow pants, boots, but you could probably take your coat off. You'd just have your sweater on, your hat, and you could sit in the fishing hole. We used to use these all the time, Dave, but like I said, we used to call them buddy heaters or buddy burners, whatever you want to call them. We used them less for light, more for heat. Uh, and they, like you said, four to six hours, they, they'd usually burn. Uh, the other option you can do is you can get corrugated cardboard and roll it up, jam it in the can, kind of same thing. Give it a spritzing of rubbing alcohol and like that, and it'll work as well. Uh, of course, anybody wants to try this stuff, allow for ventilation, things like that. Realize there's going to be some fumes giving off anything that combusts. There's carcinogens. Keep that in mind. Um, so Red Bear Tactical, he loves his O-Lantern Mini USB rechargeable. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. So O-White does make a lantern. And they're about $135 Canadian if memory serves right. Because I was looking at one not too long ago. And they do look like the bee's knees. Problem is, once again, $135. You know what I mean? But uh, I will say with Olight, you do pay for awesome quality. I have zero problems with any of my Olight stuff. Uh, you just got to be able to swallow that, you know, that, that price tag up front. But... I can attest that you will never be disappointed. Or I uh, have right now, 101 95 Canadian. What was you it, Ben? For, for 81. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a more small, compact lantern in comparison to some of what we've talked about. There's a lot of similar concepts out there. Nightcore like has something. If you yeah, can... for sure. Um, just because we've been talking about some different stuff, there's, um, this is a, it's a solar power battery bank. Yeah, I want to get one of those. Uh, I, got, I, I do have like multiple battery banks now on that big solar panel that we got, so I kind of have something. But that is such a sweet system. So. The thing with this one, and this one here is kind of neat because the extra piece comes off if you want. And, and so there's, and you can just put a little clip on it. But the thing is, there is a, a light attached to it. And so, there, you can turn the light on. Uh, it lasts really good. It's, it's, it's a pretty good little light. A lot of items you can get have a little light in them. I mean, this is, is a battery bank for my phone. Obviously, your phone can have it. Um, you know, those combination devices that provide light are obviously a good option. Um, my watch actually has a tiny flashlight in it. Um, and these are all good things. The thing to keep in mind with these is when you turn any one of these devices on, 
you're depleting a resource that's really meant for something else. So exactly. unless you're bringing it specifically for that reason, but I mean the solar panel one, providing you're going to be there in half decent weather, at least you could potentially charge that back up the next day. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many hours you would get out of that bulb before you'd kill that battery. And I don't know how exactly how long it would take to charge the full battery back up. Know that, the, you know, if you're pulling more power out of the thing than it can bring in in a day and you don't have great light, you're, you're working with diminishing returns. But chances are most things we're talking about, we're talking about less than a week. Yeah. Um, you just need to make it to the end of the week. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. I had some neat little things here, and I'm seeing if I can find them. They were basically just a USB, like a USB end with a couple LEDs on them. And I got them mm -hmm. for Lily when we were uh, originally camping, and I ended up keeping a couple of them simply because if you attach them to a battery bank, they last forever. Because it's not a super lot of light. I'm not going to be able to find them now, am I? Of course not. But anyway, uh, they literally just look like a USB thumb drive. Except there is no thumb drive. It's just like three LEDs. So if you take one of those and you strap it to a water bottle and then connect it to your battery bank, you can make a really good light that lasts literally all night and burns very little power. I'll find that the second we stop. I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, well. anyway, it's here. I know they're here somewhere. I'll find them and I'll put pictures of them up. But I bought them for like next to nothing. I think I spent maybe $3 on 10 of them. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Great thing. If I if I can find them, I'll take a picture and I'll put it up on the in somewhere. But, yeah, they were great. And like I said, you just attach them directly to the power bank. Uh, they take practically no power. I have a digital power bank that tells you what the draw and stuff is on them. And there's like, I think it's 0.1 watts or something like that comes out of it. It's like nothing. And yeah. uh, they last for ages, like all night, easy. Uh, and if you had something like the rechargeable light there, you, I'm not going to say indefinite light for the night. Uh, because eventually, like you said, there is going to be depleting returns there. It's not going to charge properly once or something like that. It is going to eventually wear down. But it, it, you would go a long time. I know you would, because that's going to be like, what, an 1,800 milliamp battery uh, battery pack? 18,000 or something? Uh, it's wrote on it there somewhere. I was going to say, just judging by the size of it, it's a pretty big one. Solar panel, 6 watt, input 5.2, output. Oh, here they are. 25,000. There you go. Yeah, that's a pretty big one. So here's the... Uh, Here's the thumb drive thingies. I did find them here. I knew I had them sitting right here. And this is all there is to them. That's it. Try and get that out of the, the light there. But they're just tiny. It's literally a little USB end with three LEDs on them. And they give tons of light. Uh, I'll go grab one of my battery banks there. Just hold on one sec. If you want to... Sure thing, man. Yeah, I, I think the thing we probably should mention is I remember going out with, like, the mag lights and the old incandescent bulb, and, you know, you were lucky to get a night out of it. And now with the LEDs, you can sometimes get, like, four or five days or a week out of the same battery. Um, 
Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, I remember my old mag light that used to take like D cells. It took four D cell batteries. It was an old cop light, and it was a yeah. good light. It gave tons of light. But I mean, you were replacing those lights pretty often. You know what I mean? So there, that's the light this gives off, and I mean that's fairly bright for all things yeah. considering. You know what I mean? But it takes no draw. And honestly, with this battery bank, and most battery banks, there's two inputs. So if the one isn't giving you enough light, it's real easy to throw two of them on. And now you have a real significant bright light. Like it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I love my old mag lights. And I even pulled a bunch out recently. I think I threw a couple out because they cro the batteries corroded inside of them and just destroyed them. Uh, and it really it was my fault. Um but yeah, the the switch from LED versions to the old incandescent version, the conversion kit's easy to get. Not cheap, but it's easy to get. It made a huge difference with those things. And I did do it for my bigger D-cell and C-cell flashlights that I still have somewhere. And the conversion was worth it for those. But I found a little AA ones, just for me, wasn't. Mm. Uh, so we got Chris just joined us here. Chris Loveless, an old friend of ours there. Uh, have we discussed manual powered crank lights yet? And this is another option that comes along with a lot of the solar ones and stuff like that. Uh, um, I'm thinking like crank radio with a light included. Yeah, there you go. So this is not an expensive one. It's a Noma one. It has a little personal alarm on it. Honestly, I don't like it. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. It takes a lot of cranking <laughs> to get much light. <laughs> I don't even know if it works right anymore. So something that Red Bear there said, and he is right about it, is he loves his O-lights because of the moonlight mode. Uh, and what that is, is with these lights, like there's a standard on mode, which you can see there. Uh, then there's bright, low. Uh, you can go like turbo. And then there is, um, give me a sec here if I can remember how to work this. Uh, you turn it off, and then you hold the power button. Yeah, and that gives you this, like, low mode, this moonlight mode. And I think you're right there, Red Bear. I think it's good for, like, 100 hours on low mode or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I have one too. I have the headlamp one. I think I have the pre-run. Pre-run, yeah. Um, they're, they're a solid flashlight. We said that they're very well built, well thought through. Um, it's just the price tag. You know what I mean? You do have to swallow that first price tag, but it is worth the money, folks. I will say that. Um, really, there, I mean, we're talking about two things. This is a combination one, in my opinion, because it can be held like a flashlight. I mean, it does have the 90-degree head on it, but I have other ones like that, or I can put it on my head as a headlamp. Um, as a headlamp, it's really good for the user. It's not so great for people around you, because uh, you tend to look it's at right at eye level, <laughs> and you're blinding them. Uh, so just keep that in mind when you're using these things that... Uh, it's really good for you, but you're going to be blinding everyone around you. Uh, and that's why the, the moonlight mode is much nicer when you're talking to people, because it's not a ridiculously bright light. And the fullest, the turbo mo mode of mine 
it is bright. And if you're looking for something you lost, that is definitely the setting you're looking for. Uh, but other than that, you're, you're definitely able to use a much lower version to find your way around and, and do odds and ends. Um, so one last thing I want to talk about, Ben, before we finish off our show here tonight, and it's super simple, but it does come in real handy around the campsite. You know what I'm talking about? Glow uh, sticks. Glow sticks. Yeah, that was on my list of things to talk about, too. Um, yeah, so obviously the huge advantage of a glow stick is they don't really require any amount of power. They last a really long time until you light them, and then they're, they're, they're pretty good. They are, believe it or not, temperature dependent. Uh, so if you in the cold, they don't get quite as bright as they do in the in the warmth. And if you want to make them last a long time, you can actually freeze them, and they will still produce light when they reheat. Um, so if they haven't been completely consumed, so it's it's a endothermic reaction. It's a, a, a thermal. It absorbs heat to produce the the light, and it is a chemical reaction, and it works really good. Um, I've used the really small ones, put them around the kids' necks, and if they're running around, you can see where they're too. It's great. Uh, if you and a buddy are walking late at night, you don't want to blind each other, you can take one, put it on the back of your hat or, or on your belt loop, and you can just go, and it's easy to keep track of someone. And you can use them as a bit of a, a guiding light, but just realize that they're definitely not ultra bright, and so you're, you're dealing with shadows for sure, right? So one thing I love to do with glow sticks, because th these ones here, these are just dollar store ones. I, I bought a package of them. My uh, daughter, when she was young, used we used to keep like hundreds of these things around because we used to throw them in the bathtub with her to keep her interested in having a bath. But what I use these for is guy lines on anything you have tied out. If you throw one on a guy line, you're so much less likely to trip over it. You know what I mean? Or if you just yeah. want to mark a trail or something like that at night, uh, they're great that way. And once again, super fun for kids. So can we talk about one more thing? Sure can, man. We're only at, if I can see past all the dots, I got my eyes now. I think we're coming up um, in 40 minutes. It's There's a bit of it on the back of this here. You can kind of see it even here. This reflective, this highly reflective stuff, it's a passive light. It, it, it reflects. It's a reflective light. Um, you can get your guy lines and stuff that has that same thing. You know, you're, you're basically uh, reflective guy lines. If you have any amount of light in an area, those things will almost glow. And that's really important uh, in an area where you're setting up tents and hammocks and uh, tarps and anything else that you have strings running from, because that's an easy thing to tangle up in and trip. Uh, so I, I have been replacing any guidelines I find that aren't reflective with reflective guidelines. Yep. For that very reason, uh, you know, it's it doesn't require any additional maintenance or power uh but it, as you almost always have something producing light at night um it's really helpful so even if you have your candle lantern lit you look in the woods and you'll see your lines there'll be little white lines running through and you're like ah my hammock's over there i know where to go right uh i think that's that's definitely an extender to the amount of power you need to be using uh by oh, making absolutely. things that that are bright. Um, it's also a really good argument in the right situation to make sure that some of your gear is is more of a neon bright color that will pick up and reflect light 
rather than things that are very earthy and camouflage color at night. Uh, anything you need to depend on or be able to find, it, you could easily lose in the dark. Uh, the more it stands out, the less light you need to find it. Uh, it can be definitely helpful. So it's sort of like the non-direct light, but yeah, use that advantage. Here's a great uh, tip from Dave there, Real Big Monkey one He uses silver Christmas wrapping ribbon on his guy lines as reflectors. Yeah. It's perfect. So um, Nomad. Nomad wants to know if we can talk a little bit about makeshift lights like fat lamps or fat wood torches. So, okay, we can talk about them. Here's my caveat on them. The caveat is you need a little bit of know-how to do this stuff. So what we're going to talk about here tonight, we're going to give you the basic principles of this stuff. If you will plan on trying these things, I suggest you do a little bit more research than what we're going to give you here tonight. So oil lamps, super simple to make. You can make it out of petroleum jelly and some cotton, honestly, to make yourself a basic one. Uh, if you have cooking oil, like any kind of vegetable oil and a piece of cotton cloth. If you put some cotton, uh, some oil in a dish, much like this. Let me get the top of it off. Like this is just the top of my tin here. You can put a little in that. Put a little piece of uh, cotton in the top of that and light it. And it's going to wick and act exactly like a candle. So making a candle or a fat wood lamp, super simple. If you got some tin foil, you can make a reflector and guide that light in. The thing is, most of these... Um, oil lamps that you're going to make they're going to give off very little and dim light better than nothing 100 percent sure better than nothing uh they're also going to produce a little heat and you're going to have an open exposed flame so just keep that in mind but in a survival situation or in a uh, primitive situation or whatever you want to say it's a good option honestly i've made a couple of them uh you can actually take your knife uh, I, I've done this in hunting situations when we're in hunting camps and stuff like that. If you harvest an animal and you take your knife and you scrape it along a lot of the fat, the oil that comes off will work as um, basically lamp fuel in that instance. And we have made kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think, it was the Inuits that originally did it and they used to do it with seal blubber and there is a name yep. for the lamp and I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. But you can do it with most animal fat. It's just that uh, seal blubber, whale blubber, stuff like that. It's real high in fatty oils, so you get a lot of oil out of it. You're going to work a little bit more if you're using something like a deer or a rabbit. You're going to work a lot and get a small amount of oil, but you can do it. Uh, the other way would be to, like, render it down. Take that fat, throw it in a pan, heat it up. You don't have to, like, cook it, but get it a little warm, and that oil is going to leach out, and then you can use that again. Once again, good luck. Thanks, Dave. Um... The other thing is a lot of these natural oils and stuff, they're going to coagulate on you. So you may have to keep it a little bit warm, which is something we found out. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... I was trying to think, the the old genie in the lantern was, you know, that was a similar type of thing, that those type of lamps. You fill them with like a lard or an oil and it, it lit that way. Um there used to be a thing you could, they, they said if you take like, I think it's a gallon of lard and you roll up a piece of paper really tight and stick it down in it and light it off. They say it'll last for like 50 plus hours and uh, produce a fair amount of heat. So I watched a feller uh, on YouTube, of course, our medium yeah. here, because why not? He took like the big tubs of Crisco and a yeah. couple mason jars, like just, you know, the big, I call them pickle jars, but mason jars. Uh, and he got a candle wick 
Uh, it was a non-wax, just, you know, candle wick he bought off Amazon. He heated up the Crisco just enough that it became liquefied. He suspended his wick. He filled it up so that there was only two inches left at the top or something like that. Just enough so there was a little bit of airspace. He lit it and put it in his fireplace, because this was in the fall or so. And he just let it burn, and seven days later, it was still burning. Yeah. So it, it's it's listed as an emergency type thing, like when you talk to people who, who've done it. It's something you would do in an emergency, because, and you have to keep in mind, too, depending on the emergency, the lard might actually be better off as a food source than a, than a light source. Um, but yeah, keeping that, keep that in mind that if light is more important to you at that point and food is plentiful, obviously that that's something to consider. Um, all these methods we've mentioned is, is by no means exhaustive. Uh, I bought for my wife, just a string of lights with a little battery pack. You can hook a USB to, and it's designed for a hammock. You just put it on a ridge line, the hammock and light it up. And because originally the, the candle lantern was bought for her to do that same thing. I don't think it ever appealed to her the way I thought it would. I mean, it really did appeal to me. But she's pretty excited about the, the, the battery lantern. The big things to keep in mind, you know, look at the advantages and disadvantages of how it's powered. Um, but it is hard to argue with the fact that LEDs are very, very efficient compared to what they used to be. And battery technology has definitely gone up. That well, being said... I mean. These little... These little... USB LEDs and a power bank. I can guarantee you I would get probably 30 hours of light out of it before I killed my power yeah. bank. That's three but nights. Would... You know what I mean? You could use it for three solid nights. Do keep in mind colder weather has a significant impact on most batteries, if not all batteries. And so in, in the colder weather, you're still kind of looking at Maybe going, keeping the fuel options going. Uh, and even then, keep in mind that not all fuels are QAD equal. The isobutane ones stop working in the cold. Yeah. Once you hit uh, probably around minus 20, around the same time that glow sticks and all that stuff stop working, it's just not going to work. Alcohol, just in general, it doesn't work that great until it starts to get to its vapor point. Um, any of your heavy fuels, diesel fuel, uh, things like that, they, they work in cold weather, but I mean, extreme cold weather, like minus 50, I can remember diesel fuel sludging up when I was in Whitehorse and stuff like that. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons, like, we talked about stoves, and it's the same concept there with, like, stoves, is I, I went to a liquid fuel uh, stove that I had to pump up, and it's because one of the things is it preheats the fuel to get it to... To, to, to work so it'll work in extreme colds um fortunately you know it's not an everyday problem for me but i do want a solution for that so i have one keep in mind that one solution doesn't fit every environment um and i think that's important to think about um especially as the world is going towards more and more battery powered things and i don't know this is maybe more political than normal i noticed Tesla's having a huge problem right now with cars dying in the cold and chargers not working. Uh, and I see a lot of people camping with Teslas, and I'm not knocking them, uh, that concept because I think it's awesome. Just keep in mind that if you're going with something that's battery-powered and it's cold, make sure you have a solution because your battery may not work the amount you originally expected it to. 
And that's the thing. Batteries, batteries have limits. Everything has limits. Uh, all right. So, I mean, for me, I think we talked a lot about tonight. This actually went way longer than I thought it was going to go. Remember I said, i would be a good quick topic, Ben, but knowing us, we'll figure out how to make it an hour. We're coming up on 50 yeah. minutes. Uh, last thing over here. Propane does work in the cold and kerosene is better in the cold weather. We switched all our heaters to kerosene over diesel. And that is the thing. Uh, kerosene, it's a way more refined fuel. Uh, diesel's pretty crude, pretty gross. Uh kerosene is just a lot more refined it's it's a lot more cleaner thinner uh and it works better in the colder weathers uh lithium won't charge in temperatures under 20 degrees celsius so there you go i know lithium uh lithium ion and uh lithium polymer uh which is i think what the teslas are running on they're, they're having as you said difficulties charging in the colder weathers um propane does have a lower limit um I watch a lot of guys who do um, forging. And, of course, the more fuel you're pulling, the cooler it cools as it's decompressing and depressing gas. They end up with a problem because they're pulling large volumes and they're cooling the tank down quicker. Uh, the solution to that usually is to put it in actual water because it's still zero degrees. Mm -hmm. That does help. Uh, but, yeah, there is some limits to even propane, uh, depending on the temperature you're going and the intensity you're running it on. So just know that you may not quite get as much power out of it. And as it gets more closer and closer to empty, you may not have the pressure to maintain it. But in, in hot temperatures, that same tank might still run for a period. So there is some limitation. Uh, but yes, cold, I have used propane in some pretty cold temperatures, for especially lanterns and stuff, with relatively little issue. I, uh, well, here in Canada... Uh, Eastern Nova Scotia, or whatever you want to call it. I grew up using propane for a lot of the stuff in my house. Propane stove, uh, we had a propane fridge at one point, things like that, and we used it winter round. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do remember that in severe cold, sometimes we'd have uh, sputtering and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's and anything, even you take compressed air and just let it go, It'll frost up the lines and stuff if you're pulling enough. So ironically, if you're using it for a lot of heating in your house, you'll pull a lot more pressure out of it. It'll cool up the lines, and it could get the lines cold enough where propane wants to stay a liquid or less inclined to become a gas. Um, but I don't know the temperature for propane. We could look it up. Uh, Boiling point propane. Yeah, if you want to look it up, I'll try and get us... Uh keep us running here so i like i said i think that was a lot of topic here tonight it went a little longer than i thought we went down a few rabbit holes much like we do uh what about you folks out there what's your favorite method for camp lighting we're not just talking to your oh there was one last tip everybody knows this tip i'm still gonna throw it in here anyway just for the couple people that don't a four gallon or four liter bottle of water spring water which a lot of people take when they go camping with a headlamp flipped around and shone into it makes quite the lantern <laughs> yeah just saying disperses that light out gives you a lot more coverage area all the way around takes your directional light and just makes it a round light of course so that's my last tip uh it's not mine a good vast majority of people know this one but if you don't know there you go but yeah we talked about a lot of stuff here what about you folks out there what do you guys use when you're out camping what do you like to use to light up your camp 
Uh, is there anything that you folks use that we maybe we haven't mentioned here tonight? I'd love to hear your comments on that uh, and see what you folks think out there. Did you find the lower temperature for propane? So propane boils at four, minus 42 Celsius compared to isobutane, which is minus 11 degrees. So it, it has to get significantly colder for propane to be less ineffective at all. Uh, but just know that it does have a lower limit, and it's it's pretty well like the minus 40 range. Yeah. You would see propane failing to, to gasify at all, and you would need a way of heating it. Isobutane, you know, basically at a quarter of that temperature, argumentatively, depending on how you want to look at that number, it, it fails. So isobutane, I have had a lot of trouble getting those little stoves to light in the winter. And even when they did light, they weren't producing the power I wanted them to at around that temperature because as i said as they run they cool themselves down compared to the outside air so similarly if say minus 30 you might see a propane tank start to fail and in the summer you watch them frost up and that shows you that they're getting colder than the air around them so i guess i'm going to throw one last little tip in here uh towards the end so anybody that's stuck around this is a more advanced tip uh if you do have propane Icy propofol, stuff like that that you are having troubles with, you can warm them up, believe it or not, if you have access to a water source. And Ben has already talked about this, putting in water and stuff. But I mean, if you're around a lake or something like that, keep in mind that even though a lake may be frozen, if you can get to the water underneath, generally only the top few inches of water is going to be anywhere around the zero mark. Once you go down below the ice and down a little bit, that usually starts increasing in temperature again until you get to the bottom, which is generally around four degrees, even when up top is frozen solid. So if you can hit around that zero degree mark, as we just said, isopropyl as well as propane and stuff like that, if you can get your tanks into that water, though it feels cold to your touch, it's going to be warmer than some, well, in a lot of times, the air that's outside around you. Uh, and this holds true for salt water as well, though there is going to be a little bit more discrepancy there because salt water freezes at a lower temperature anyway because of the impurities and the salt and stuff like that in it anywho. But if you can get to a fresh water, uh, such as a lake, and you can get down to the water under the ice, uh, I have seen a submerge tanks and stuff in that and then pull them out and then work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you just literally, you take it. Uh, throw it in whatever you can so it doesn't float away on you, tether it somehow, literally just push the works of them under the ice. Um, and if you can, weight it down so it goes down deeper, because in the winter, believe it or not, the deeper you go, generally the warmer it's going to be. Flip that in the summer, of course, but in the winter, the deeper you can go down into the water, the warmer it's going to be within marginal reasonality you know what i mean like it's not going to be like 25 degrees at the bottom of the lake but it's probably going to be a lot closer to four degrees at the bottom of the lake than it would be around the top where it's probably going to be like around the zero degree or lower mark i mean good points um and obviously it's dangerous to do that with a battery <laughs> yeah i wouldn't do that with a battery i'm talking more like your liquid fuels if they're causing you problems once again use that with caution if you're playing around water and ice and stuff like that take all your safety precautions and things into effect but yeah, these these are definitely some some things to consider. And obviously, the the absolute last but not least is nothing beats a good wood fire for camp light. Um, but yeah, a lot of things to think about, a lot of stuff to consider, I guess. Uh, but yeah, if you want to have a camp life after the sun goes down, and ironically in the winter it's down for a lot longer, and this one is it's the coldest. 
Uh, you need to have a plan. You need to have some solutions. I think Dave said it earlier. At least three sources of light is what he goes with. Um, and I'm, I must say I'm somewhat similar. I always have a few. I have my headlamp. I have my my uh, little candle lantern. I'll often have another flashlight or two. Plus all devices that are on me that have built-in flashlights. I never consider them a primary source of light, but they are definitely a last-minute solution. Uh, and of course, if it, if you're vehicle camping, never forget the headlights in your car can produce a significant amount of light. Just aim the vehicle in the right direction. <laughs> Absolutely. But all right, I think that's a good spot to wrap her up for tonight. We're basically coming up on our hour, uh, and all we talked about was lighting. So see you all next good. week, everybody. Have a good night.